have love is to set it straight. Take control of your mind and meditate. Let your soul gravitate to the love, y'all, y'all. People killing, people dying, children hurt, and you hear them crying. Can you practice what you preach and what you turn the other cheek? Father, 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 help us and some guidance from above. These people got me, got me questioning. What is up, everyone? So that was Where's the Love? You know, the classic 2000, I believe, four hit. Um, you know, I've had, I had a tough time coming up with a song for this one. And if you haven't noticed, each episode has a song that has to do with uh, the theme of that particular piece that I wrote. Um, this one, Where's the Love, has a lot of themes around, uh, number one, you know, where is the love? And two, around... Um, uh, standing up to the man. Um, so uh, with that, uh, today uh, in this episode, we'll be talking about uh, crypto and um, really uh, talking about how uh, the uh, the popular uh, notion of what crypto is is not what is uh, making people so excited. Uh, about this new paradigm shift. So um, in this episode, we'll talk about uh, not only uh, Ethereum and Bitcoin, but really what's uh, what's so exciting about it. Um, you know, I've had a lot of conversations with numerous people where they really see crypto as a, uh, a scam, um, which it can be, uh, as well as um, it's just a pump and dump type of investment. Uh, it's a speculative asset, as I uh, call it in the piece. Uh, but really, there's an underlying um, notion, uh, underlying intent of what uh, the community is trying to do, as well as um, the technology itself is has a lot of potential. So um, I, I try to bring all of that to the limelight, and hopefully you enjoy it. So... Um, Without further ado, uh, here is episode number three. Episode number three, history repeats itself. The Roman Catholic Church to our Wall Street bets, my stream of consciousness on blockchain and crypto. In 1077 AD, the excommunicated Henry VI, through the perils of a raging blizzard, knelt beneath the entrance of Pope Gregory VII's castle. For three days and three nights, begging for forgiveness. Modern-day scholars describe the scene as one of the most dramatic moments of the Middle Ages, as it showed the power that the religious hierarchy held where they ritualistically humiliated a once formidable force of the Holy Roman Empire. This cathartic moment ushered in the Dark Ages, where the Roman Catholic Church consolidated power and knowledge, influencing much of culture, arts, and the way of life during that time. This power shift led to the everyday person having minimal social mobility or self-expression, resorting to becoming a farmer in a land owned by the church. Though the Dark Ages proved to be a depression in economic and culture, cultural innovation, at least in Europe, uh, there would be two seminal events that would help in reversing that. Number one, the advent of the printing press, allowing a mass proliferation of information and increasing literacy among the everyday peasant. And number two, 
the proliferation of double entry bookkeeping, allowing commerce to happen more efficiently, thus ushering in the rise of new financial institutions and a working class. So the printing press paved the way for Martin Luther to distribute information, memes in the most authentic form since the peasant class was illiterate, ultimately bringing a rise of a new religious hierarchy and new voices that the Roman church once silenced. Popularizing a new way of tracking money that eliminated a need for only one central power to understand the finances opened the doors for innovation within commerce, ultimately helping form a new social class. The merchants of Venice uh, proved just that uh, by using uh, double-entry bookkeeping. Um, they, uh, cre- they allowed the peasant class to have a way to make money outside of just farming. These two critical events ushered in an era of rapid innovation, resulting in a massive advancement of cultural arts and commerce, better known as the Renaissance. History has a strange way of repeating itself. And in today's piece, I want to have a frank conversation on crypto and how it too has a potential in ushering in a similar era for us on the internet. I'll touch on the following topics. Number one, Dogecoin, frenzies, and manias. Number two, blockchain, the real MVP. Uh, For those who aren't aware, that was a saying that Kevin Durant said uh, when he won the MVP of his mother. Number three, building blockchains uh, for a strong foundation. And number four, Legos for their real world, a love letter. Dogecoin, frenzies, and manias. With the introduction of numerous financial tools that make it easy to take part in Wall Street, we've seen increased social media and FOMO-driven stock market manias, cryptocurrencies included. Today's popular sentiment around cryptocurrency is that it's a speculative asset where the price goes up and down based on even the smallest of events or mentions in the news. There is no better example of such volatility than Elon Musk's actions over the past several months, which peaked with his Dogecoin-themed Saturday Night Live appearance. And I linked a uh, Elon Musk tweet where he uh, tweeted out a meme of him being Rafiki and the Dogecoin dog being Simba uh, in Pride Rock, if people know what that scene was. Though... A capital and sometimes speculative asset is one part of crypto. Uh, There's a lot more to it than that. Uh, Labeling labeling it as such would be like labeling the internet as just an online communication tool. But to get a complete picture of what crypto could provide, let's start at the core, the technology that makes crypto so unique, blockchain. Blockchain, the real MVP. Technological innovation is what brings upon a paradigm shift. It might flounder for many years trying to find a use case, and sometimes it might take multiple innovations to see change. In the 80s and 90s, the innovation was HTTP, SMTP, FTP, and all the protocols that power the modern-day internet. And in the 2000s and 10s, the breakthrough of GPS and cell phones took it to further heights. In the 2020s, Blockchain is what will take us to new heights. 
At the core, it's a digital record book or ledger that can store data of any kind, such as Bitcoin transactions, NFT ownerships, and DeFi contracts. But can any regular database do the same thing? Yes, it could. But the innovation that blockchain provides is that it's decentralized. And by that, it's maintained by not just one institution, but by its users. Today, we utilize centralized platforms to provide us with trust between its many users, among the many other reasons. eBay, for example, mainly provides its users with an aggregated platform, a one-stop shop for auctioneers and bidders. It also implicitly provides inherent trust, the peace of mind that I won't be conned out of my own money. But as I detailed in my overview memo, um, centralized platforms can provide more harm than good. And that is exactly where blockchain comes in to act as that trust layer for any transaction. A complex maze of validation is what creates trust through blockchain. When a user performs a transaction, for example, buying Bitcoin, numerous distributed computers verify the transaction through cryptographic proof. Once verified, the block gets added to the chain in a process called mining. In return, the miners get a small transaction fee. In layman terms, what you may hear in the news as miners are just high-powered computers, often harmful for the environment, as you might have heard, hooked up to the blockchain, verifying transactions to gain money. Most of the time, the capital required for those machines will barely be paid for by the rewards provided. But knowing you're helping the new world of the decentralized web is, as MasterCard would say, priceless. Building blockchains for a stronger foundation. With the advent of the blockchain came its first use case, Bitcoin, the digital currency. Through its network of miners, users could send and receive money all validated by peers without a need of a central banking agency. Blockchain is utilized as a truly decentralized accounting ledger for the currency that is Bitcoin. Though its initial ambitions were to be a currency of the internet, and it still can be, today Bitcoin is seen more as a store of value, similar to gold. As the first to leverage the new technology, it created a network effect with its users where it was in everyone's best interest to keep the store of wealth relevant. A psychological moat of sorts. While Bitcoin was getting its legs, Vitalik Buterin, a Romanian immigrant and son of two computer science scholars, was starting to explore this new technology. Wanting to get more involved, he started an online magazine with a few buddies and aptly called it Bitcoin Magazine. One of the magazine's unique traits was that only the first paragraph would be published and the viewers would need to crowdsource a pool to view the rest an automated function of sorts once a threshold is met. Sort of like a smart contract. Soon after that, Buterin would publish a white paper that would detail what we know today as Ethereum. In it, he wrote how Ethereum could leverage decentralized traits of the blockchain to build a platform that allows code to execute if certain conditions are met, which he calls smart contracts. The blockchain, would preserve and store those conditions and the subsequent executions as the source of truth. Suppose Bitcoin is Notepad, 
being able to store and view text. In that case, Ethereum is Excel, being able to organize, store, view, and create functions so that each cell can work in unison together to create a larger purpose. Legos, Lego blocks for the real world, a love letter. Ethereum took the breakthrough of the blockchain and created a Turing complete language for interaction on top of it, opening up new scenarios beyond just a ledger for transactions. With the decentralized nature of the blockchain and, ex and the execution and contracts ability of Ethereum, finally one can get a bit more clarity on how computers can replace a centralized institution. This opens up various new scenarios, such as NFTs or non-fungible tokens, allow users to own, track, and exchange unique digital assets through tokens, leveraging the blockchain to track and sustain its value. DAOs, or Decentralized Autonomous Organizations, allow users to create communities and make decisions collectively that would be executed automatically through smart contracts. DeFi, or Decentralized Finance, allows users to participate in various financial activities such as lending, exchanges, and insurance, all propped up by the collective public through the power of Ethereum and its ways to harness trust. Blockchain and Ethereum represent the building blocks similar to the PC, mobile, and internet of the 90s that can open up new opportunities and experiences equitably for every single person in the world. The blockchain allows for the interoperability of your own assets and data that once was confined to the silos of larger organizations. Interoperability goes beyond just assets and applications that can create newer and more extensive experiences. Imagine if your Amazon cart could speak to your Tesla car, which in turn could pull in information from your Instagram graph, ultimately to be able to redirect you to the nearest Whole Foods to pick up your date's favorite wine before you head over to his house. That's what the Legos of decentralized apps could provide us one day. And that is why this gets me really excited. With the power it provides, buying Ethereum isn't an asset. That's all about Reddit nerds on Wall Street bets shilling in the hopes of driving the price up. But it's an asset that provides you a currency and ownership in the Ethereum network, ultimately a bet on the new future. Is history repeating itself? Seemingly minor at the time, the two breakthroughs combined accelerated equity and opened doors for new opportunities for many of the working class. Double entry accounting distributed the tracking of money so that new businesses can flourish like, like such in Venice. The printing press, though, allowed the rapid dissemination of information, more importantly, spread literacy to the many who once did not even have the means to obtain a written text. Both combined provided new means of creating value within society, which was shown in full grandeur through the many innovations and artistic creations of the Renaissance and Golden Era. We could be seeing very similar parallels in 2021. Many equate 2010s as the modern day Golden Era because the internet gave way to a new whole, whole new paradigm. But only in the last few years, we see cracks such as the rise of fake news and the once optimistic way of life. Like how double entry accounting helped preserve and track transactions so that commerce could happen away from a centralized source such as a church, 
Blockchain and Bitcoin provide that level of autonomy and thus innovation for many to do business and create value as individuals. Like how the printing press empowered individuals with literacy and a tool for independent expression, Ethereum and its applications will also bring the same to the modern world. The tools built on top of Ethereum on the, the tools built on top of the Ethereum platform will allow the creator to be the sole owner and empower individuals with the means to be independent sovereign citizens. Though it's too early to say that we'll have a renaissance as we did in the 1500s, the excitement of a new technology that could take us there is enough to satisfy the optimist. There are a whole lot more questions and answers in this piece. In part two, I'll go a little bit deeper into the various applications such as DeFi, NFTs, and DAOs. Hey everyone, I'm back. So this is a very interesting topic, something that I've been thinking about way too much the last few months. Um, while I was on leave, one of the key things I wanted to do was try to understand things I you know, brushed off and just said, hey, it's too hard to understand. So really went deep into this whole area, read a lot. Uh, from various different sources, um, got both sides of the stories. Um, a lot of people are excited. Uh, it's it's one of those technologies that um, could um, pave the way for a uh, new change. Um, so I recently read this one article. Um, it's by Matthew Ball. Um, he is a, a, a media... A writer, I guess, a media writer, uh, but he talks a lot about uh, future technologies, specifically around the metaverse and things around media as a whole. So he talks a lot about Marvel, Disney, and uh, video games and things like that. But he, he mentioned something that really stuck to me. Um, he talked about change and, and the notion of um, the paradigm shifts, something that I've been thinking about a lot. And um, he really... Uh, talked a lot about how um, electricity became um, a, a commonplace within society. Um, that's probably not a subject that I know a lot about. Obviously, I know Thomas Edison and things like that, but uh, he talked a lot about how what it took to get to where we are today with like power plants and with power plants it became more common to have people with power and, and it was vice versa it was like a network effect of sorts but it was like a lot of small things that added up um, and very similar for mobile like when did the mobile era start was it apple uh, when they released the iphone uh, that's when we society thinks so because of the fact that it brought out a phone that was finally usable and could harness the power of what we know today as the mobile era uh, but there's so many things before that like 2g internet microchips touch screens things like that that needed to be there for the iphone to actually work um, so like that there's so many building blocks right now uh and and there's no one thing that could uh, that's gonna change things like blockchain isn't that one thing but it is one of the things. So uh, that's why I'm excited. It's one of the things that it could be a centerpiece of how uh, society as well as we interact with technology in the future. 
so there's this is not the last that I will be writing, reading, and talking about this. Um, as I mentioned, there's part two, uh, whole uh, vast areas of applications of the blockchain, like the uh, NFTs, uh, which I took part in by uh, buying a whole bunch of NBA Top Shot uh, playing cards. And then uh, DAOs, uh, which I am part of. I joined a DAO, uh, you know, wanted skin in the game, and have met really cool people based, uh, due to that. And then DeFi, decentralized finance. I took a actually I took a uh, a cohort-based um, class on it, which was really interesting because I I don't have a lot of experience in finance as a whole, um, so really wanted to understand this whole area. And it was really interesting, um, you know. I obviously have skin in the game through um, through like buying Ethereum, but being able to leverage that uh, for um, lending purposes to just test it out was really interesting. But anyways, enough of that. Um, I will come back. The next few weeks will be more geared towards uh, PM topics. I really want to deep dive into that. So um, I'm going to put a pause on Ethereum, the future, um, as well as a, um, I had planned an episode on uh, China. Uh, but I'm going to put a pause on all of that and uh, talk a little bit more about building products. So you have that to look forward to. Anyways, uh, with that, uh, I will see you next week.